You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. A star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. So you end up going to DC and you become a lobbyist at the Close Up Foundation, correct? Well, I became, first I worked at the Close, the Close Up Foundation. And then you went to APCO. Yeah. Right. So the Close Up Foundation is the um, nonprofit is the is a nonprofit that brings kids to Washington. It was started during the Vietnam War to be able to like kids get close up to government and be contributing citizens. Right. So again, I you know how kids they have a plan. Again, the fact that I graduated that was not part of the plan. Right. Right. So I graduate, and then my roommate, then my best friend from sleepaway camp has a boyfriend in Washington. Mm-hmm. And she said, let's go to Washington. She was at Northwestern. So we, so I like, but okay. Cause I have zero plan. And I have this degree in broadcast communications. And my grandmother says to me, you should be an anchor. For the right. news. Like, oh, okay. I should do that. And um, so I put on my spectator pumps to go, you know, interview everywhere. And with my fake leather briefcase, I didn't understand even I was again, I just didn't know anything. I didn't know that Naga hide wasn't like a fashion right. thing. Right, right. I was very proud of my Naga hide. That was washable briefcase. And um, I couldn't get a job doing anything in broadcasting. So I then a friend of mine from college worked for this educational foundation, which I ended up loving. You love that. You go to APCO worldwide. Which... I started out as their receptionist. You did? And I also got to order supplies. I think I was a terrible receptionist. That's why I got promoted. Because that was back when it was like... No one starts like that anymore. Now, they all want to go in and be president of the company. I know. What is that? So you're... Uh, By the way, we have an entry-level job opening. You do? Maybe I'll do it. Oh, yeah. That would be good to be my... Thank you. So you end up, you're lobbying. You become a lobbyist. And I didn't know what lobbying was. Can you explain to our listeners what a lobbyist does? Well, you know how lobbying started? How? I don't know. I should remember. I don't remember. One pre- the White House was being remodeled and the president couldn't live there. So he lived across the street in the Willard Hotel, which is this very nice, fan- it's always been a very nice fancy hotel. And Instead of people coming to his office in the White House, because you could do it back then, I, it was in, I think, the 1800s, to go you know, advocate for various things, they'd come to the lobby of the Woolard Hotel to meet with him. And, and that's, that's where that name came from. Yeah, and I don't think it was such a dirty word back then. And now, so a lobbyist essentially is an influencer, is someone right. who- You know what? As a former lobbyist, we like to call ourselves educators. Okay, great. You're an educator. Um, you, some of your clients, the recording uh, RIAA, 
Supporting yeah, Industry Association. Association of America, which was led by Hillary Rosen. Yes, Hillary Rosen, who I know very well. Me too. She was my first client. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. You also were a lobbyist for not great things. Is that correct? Well, you know, everything has a constitutional right. Right. And you were doing this job and some of your clients were people you would not work with today, correct? I believe in the Constitution. Okay. You're taking the fifth. What do you learn? Like, you're going, like, what what is your day like? You go, like, all right, so you have the RIAA, right? So so my first job with the RIAA, and again, I was a kid, so my first job was cutting up billboard magazines, pasting them on a piece, the articles on a piece of paper and giving it to the lead lobbyist that was working on issues. So what would the lead lobbyist do? Like they'd go so to the office. Back then yeah. it was um, <clears throat> the big issues that, that arose were there were dirty lyrics. That and- was a bit, you know, I remember this with Go- Al Gore's wife, um, mm-hmm. Tipper, wanted yeah. to put a rating. It's in my book, actually. Yes, I can say that. I guess it is in your book. Um, she wanted to put a rating on these you know, CDs, because that's what we used to, albums and There's CDs. warning labels. She wanted to put warning labels. And what did you think of that? Well, it was, I, you know, that's sort of my, it sounds kind of, you know, I am the weirdo that, like, I love learning about the Constitution. And I really hadn't thought about that at all. And what does the Constitution protect? And what does, you know, what is private industry versus um, how and it's also a re- weird ju- juxtaposition too as to how government should be involved because right. and it, it's such a weird crossover too because as liberals, you know, many you know liberals believe in choice and we believe in 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 a, in a lot that the the government you know should not get involved in and then we also believe that you know the government does need to protect us right so. I, I learned a lot about intellectual property and the, pro- and the protection of intellectual property. And what's also interesting is that our laws and legislation really hadn't been changed since the Gutenberg pre- Press. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I love intellectual property so much. There is a Gutenberg Press in the Library of Congress that I used to go visit periodically. No way. Oh, I'm just such a loser. I just, I did. I like to see it. You know, I like to, it gave me, uh, yeah. So dirty lyrics, and I remember getting, you know, it was really kind of fun because everyone would be getting boring faxes at the office and I'd get dirty lyrics faxed to me. Right. So it was really, and so with with, with Tipper Gore's um, holding out legislation, I do remember this, and I think this was Al Gore. You know, Nashville is has always been the biggest music capital of um, of the country. And I think it was a very, I don't think Al Gore knew how this was going to blow up. And, and this was his constituency. So, and I, I also think that, listen, Hillary, um, the guy named Jay Berman, were, uh, who, yep. who ran RIAA then, very brilliant in how they approached it and and being able to, recording the RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America, is a trade association for the record labels. And they they were very skilled in having record labels police themselves and saying, listen, we will put the warning labels on. 
we'll, we'll police ourselves. But the interesting thing was, is that sales skyrocketed when there was a warning label. Right. So, uh, so who ended, so the government did not. No, so up. there were lots of, there were lots of um, hearings and that was also really interesting to do to, to help write testimony. Right. And I just learned so much, I learned so much after college. And really how, you know, we all, how, how a bill becomes a law. It's just so interesting. Well, so I, did you testify before Congress or were you there when they were testifying? I was there and it was, you know, I always thought that the most interesting ones were the ones who, you couldn't really go that far off the trail, but I, it was just the ones that would speak from the heart. And that's sort of getting back to your original point about celebrities and testifying and, or celebrities and getting involved in issues. One of the things that is is our our mantra, the Creative Coalition, is don't be a carpetbagger. Right. As a celebrity or a, as someone you know, someone who has a brand or, or whatever it is, you should only get involved in issues that concern you, right, and, and that you're passionate about, right, and, and that that it means something to you that that affect you and your family or your community. No one likes a carpetbagger, right? I remember that. Oh, and people turned on Tipper Girl. I mean, I see her point. I don't think the government should do it, but I do. You and know, that really was great. A movie. It's just giving people more information. And that was her point. That 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 was her point to give more information. Um, it was funny. I actually, but people fucking turned on her like uh, unbelievable. You know, her point was not it, even. I don't know if you remember this. Steve Allen. Had oh, a, yeah. You remember his group that he had? He was really instrumental. It was a consumer group that led boycotts of various pro, of various right. television shows. And he would say, you know, vote with your dollar. Don't buy these products that are advertising these, which was actually fine. You right. should vote with your dollar. And that's what our free society is about. Right. It wasn't about, he wasn't, at, and it was really interesting because he wasn't asking for the government to take a stand on it. He was telling people to take enterprise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's show business. It's not show government. It's not show. We want to be nice. It's business. First of all, I, one of my bucket list, I want to testify before. Like I used to think. Let's make it happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I used to think it must be so scary and oh, Congress. And then now I watch it, you know, so much of that, I guess, reference to, you know, oh, you're a congressperson, you know, I'm going to talk. There's like, there's so many of them that are scumbags. Like I would. Well, you know what, Judy? There's so many that aren't. And it's, that it's, are not, right. But I feel like I wouldn't be as afraid, you know? Is, I have to give a shout out for those people who are elected officials, who are policymakers. It's a, it's a terrible job. The pay, you know, is not great. It, it puts you in the spotlight. You know, half, half the people in your community don't like you. Right. I don't like what you're doing. And it puts your family, it's a, it's a great strain on your family. Yeah. Do, are you ever pinching yourself like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe this like, every at this point? Day, every I love my job. I love going to work or going to my desk now. Um, I, and the people you talk to, like you're so beloved. I, too. Never, I never take it for granted because... I, I remember I told uh, earlier, I said, I love experience and experience. Right, right. And how am I living life to the fullest? I'm getting to talk to the people like that 10, 20% of people who are running the world. Right. And it's, it's just amazing. Awesome. It's so 
you, um, one day, you bring the songwriters Lieber and Stoller to the Oval Office to meet Bill Clinton. Now, if you don't know them, they wrote Stand By Me. They wrote a bunch of great... City. And they were, they were the most prolific songwriters of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So you're in the office with Bill Clinton, and you're sucking his... No. And you're in the office with Bill Clinton. <laughs> And you uh, are have this meeting planned because he wants to meet Lieber and Stoller. And, and well, no, have- actually, so when I was doing, he he loves music. He does, you know, he loves yeah. music. He loves. He was big Lieber. I mean, and the sax. Yeah, he played the sax. Yeah, big Lieber and Stoller fan. And so, fan. So I, you know, I'm like, well, take advantage of the moment. I've never been in the Oval Office. So you go in the Oval Office with them for a meeting. And, and can you tell everyone why you had to cut the meeting short? I can. So I was pregnant with my first daughter, my eldest daughter, Eliza, and it, she was born on May 14th and this was May 13th. So I'm there and we actually had to wait several hours for him, which was fine. Yeah. He's the president and yeah. doing presidential things. And um, so I start, I start again, first kid, you know, the first one you, you start feeling labor, you're not sure what's going on. Right, right, right. You're, it's a lot. And so I'm kind of pacing back and forth and his secretary says to me, uh, do you think you should be here? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm not missing this meeting. I mean, I've never been in the Oval Office. <laughs> you know, you pick a crowbar to get me out. And so I'm kind of, and again, you're like, things are happening. Things right. are happening in my belly. So, uh, and now, now then they sit us down inside the oval, which now I'm like hanging out in the oval for like an hour. It was just, I just loved it. And so, but I'm still having labor pains. Right. So now I'm getting a little bit nervous. So, so he finally comes in, he's having a grand time with them. He wants to play what's the flip side? Like what's the flip side of Kansas city? Right, right, right. And so well, we have, we should explain to the listeners. Oh, right. The record came out. There was the A side and the B side and the A side was always the hit song. And the B side was the flip side, which was the other song, which was, so, yeah. so it was, you know, we were playing and now, but now I'm getting a little bit nervous and it was, um, it was. And so I'm like, yeah, I probably, you know, if it had been my second or third, I would have just stayed. Right. In the Oval. Because what, you know, like what an experience. But again, right. at first, you're like thinking you have to be with doctors. And Dr. Clinton, he wasn't. <laughs> and so, so I uh, finally, things are happening. And I said, I cut a meeting off short with the president. That's like craziness. Right. I said, Mr. President, thank you very much. But we have to go now. You said that? Yeah. And it was like, it, it, why didn't you let them stay? Did you tell him why? Well, no, because I didn't want to go into the whole, it was just weird. I mean, again, I was, you know, young and. Were Lieber and Stoller like, what the fuck are you doing? They were like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, at this point, scooting out the door as much as one can scoot in labor. And then, okay. So you go out of the door and then did you tell them? They, they kind of, it was kind of obvious. Like I'm like crawling and holding right, onto the right. walls and they, they can't get me to GW hospital. Quickly. Right. That so. is fuck. And he never knew. Bill. He, well, it, it, he was, but talk about how wonderful he, so a couple months later, 
uh, there's a steak dinner. I got invited to it. And that is so cool. That is, it's just like it was back. In how the many day. people, how many people go to a steak dinner? I know. Isn't that cool that I got? So, and you go and you have to like, you get announced and then you, yeah. you shake And you walk in, you walk on that. Th- yeah. Yeah. And he said to me, how's the baby? You know, I, I once performed for him and I did stand up comedy as well. No, I once performed for him at a democratic fundraiser in Miami beach. And, you know, they were the worst audience because they were all like, you know, (laughs) after the show, he came up to me. He remembered everything I said. He said, oh, you ran the marathon because I had just run the marathon, New York City Marathon. How was that? You know, I'm just, and I'm like, oh my God, I love you. It's like, you're the only know, person. All you want to do is big blue eyes. So I was, when I was in labor in the office, I remember, you know, cause he took my hand and he went, you know, so he said something nice to me and you just, you like listen. Melt, melt. Yeah. I was just, and yeah, usually, you know, I, I go for like the Jewish guy. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah. He's just so He's much. so great. charismatic. Like there is beyond. Yeah. And he, he listened to me. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You also, a lot of people don't know this, you were in Al Gore's house when he conceded. Is that correct? I was. I was. It was. How did that happen? Well, it was, it was funny because he, it was his, his, the holiday party, um, the vice president's holiday party. Were you at the vice president? Res- like, is the residence? Is the it residence. really nice? Is the what's the residence like? 
Yeah, it's not. It's not like the uh, executive, the, the White House. But well, how big is it? How big is it? It's pretty big. It's on Massachusetts Avenue, and it's called the Naval. It was like the old Naval. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because it, that they had. It was the holiday party, and it was this like kind of a dark room um, for the par- the beginning of the party. And I remember Tipper Gore came up to me, and she said, she was walking towards me. And I couldn't see because it was kind of dark. And I said to my husband, who is this woman that's following me around? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I got glasses. But um, then somehow I got, it was me and Cheryl Crow and Scooter Weintraub, our agent, and um, Whoopi Goldberg. (laughs) It's like, I'm an unidentified woman. Somehow we're all in his little den. And he was saying, you know, and, and he was like, well, yeah, I got to, you know. Did he know, like, he he knew that before that party? Yeah, I mean, they were, we were, it was, we were kind of like, I just remember, I don't remember who it was, joking around going, yeah, call him up and just start prank calling, you know. Yeah. Look, it was, you know, lighthearted. That was so, don't you think that was completely unfair? I don't, I can't, I don't know. Because I, you know, now that I, that was ridiculous. And, and can, you know, I think about that election, especially now with this motherfucker, but I mean, I don't know because I don't remember how the counts came down. Right. But it, well, the Supreme court decided and can you imagine, can you imagine where we would be? Because they say now, because of all those days of no transition, uh, that's where the sort of the Osama bin Laden stuff fell, started to fall through the cracks. And now this fuckhead isn't what, well, like, grow the fuck up, grow up. It's not about you. The girl, the Gore girls, very attractive. Oh, they're great. The, they're, they're just, the, the I kids. remember going, oh my God, they're so beautiful. All, all the kids from that. And, yeah. You know, so what I have a question. Were you surprised when they got divorced? You know, I think, again, going back to public servant, and it's really, it's a hard, it's it's not an easy job. Oh, yeah, I can't. You know, it's even, I think, worse than, you know, it's it's harder than a celebrity in that everything is public scrutiny and, and the public has a right to know everything. And remember, you're living in several places at once and your family's somewhere. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I couldn't do it. It's, I know I couldn't do it either, but so, I always thought they like loved each other. Like I knew the Clintons had issues, but I always thought, oh, those two, but those two love each other, but you just don't fucking know. You know, didn't you know don't, don't we all know in our old age, yeah. we never know what's going on behind closed doors. That's like, very true. Think, didn't you always think growing up that your family was insane? But oh, yeah. We're like, you know. Perfect. Perfect. Also, I have to say, as I get old, you realize the person in the relationship who you think is the crazy one is never the crazy one. It's always you the cannot, other one. You know, you, can, you cannot get, you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So after you're a lobbyist. Um, oh, wait, I, can I tell you? Yes, yes, Can I yes. tell you when? I got my creative coalition job again. So I had my older daughter, my middle daughter, pregnant again with Kiki, the little one. And um, who's in 
Israel now on a fellowship. Um, so she, so I'm pregnant with her and remember Rolod, what do they call it? Rolodex. Yeah. Rolodex. So I had gotten, so I was, you know, lobbying for the MPAA and RIAA and creative coalition was on the horizon because Chris Reeve and Ron Silver and Susan Sarandon and Alec Baldwin had started it. And, um, it was called something else though when they started. No, it was not. That was the other one that. Oh, was, okay. You know, In 1988 was, um, or something. Yeah. Duff started, which actually they were one of my clients. Um, what was it called? Uh, I, I read about it. It, it. You also, it was something about having a, a homeroom like you that that you said that these actors would see each other uh the ones you just named would see each other like at acting classes or at auditions right and, and they, then they'd see each other demonstrating for something and right. they realized so, so they they became this this tribe of of activists who happened to be actors or who wanted to pursue acting and it was right around um when Ray, creative coalition was formed it was it was galvanized when Ronald Reagan zeroed wanted to zero out the national endowment of the arts that was beyond yeah yeah and it, it just the whole thing about it, that it happened to be Reagan that did it and but anyway so you know the folklore goes that Susan said to Ron Silver or Ron said to Chris or I don't remember who had the idea first but they they decide they say hey, listen we know how poli- you know we're we're we were political science minors and majors we, we let's go down we have some sort of influence let's use our celebrity to go to Washington and they literally went door to door they they rode the train from from uh, New York to DC they boned up on everything all their facts and figures they they just like a lobbyist would do just like any advocate and they went door to door getting votes and it was really so they they you know i remember when they got the story about how they got orrin hatch's vote and they appealed to him because did you know orrin hatch was a grammy winner what for what orrin hatch won a grammy for the spoken spoken word album oh fuck him i want to get nominated for a grammy for my book everyone loved my audio all right let's do it done done you heard it here folks Testify. Why don't we do a spoken word, you testifying, and we'll make an album out of it. Okay. Anyway, so I always known about the Creative Coalition and they would never return my calls. And I put, I, I'm not like a big universe. I mean, I do believe in the universe. I just don't know how to do right. it. You know? So I put the little Rolodex card with the Creative Coalition number on my bulletin board in my office. And I would look at it every day. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to be you one day. So I, one day I get a call from Billy Baldwin I'm in my office. I'm nine months pregnant. I'm packing up because my third daughter, Kiki, was going to be, I have plan C-section the next day. So I'm packing up the office because I'm going to be on maternity leave. And the phone rings at six o'clock and um, it's Billy, who I'd never met before. And he goes, hey, it's Billy B. And that like Billy Baldwin voice. Right, right, right. And I thought, because I had just hired a clown named Billy B for my four-year-old's birthday right. party. So I said, oh, you know, the kids think you're so funny and the check's in the mail. (laughs) Oh, he thinks I'm insane. He goes, "Uh, you were recommended to head up the creative coalition. And, you know, so I'm just, I'm just beyond, I can't believe it. This is my dream job. Right, right. So, but I'm supposed to have a baby in eight hours. And I don't tell him I'm I'm having a baby in eight hours because. Because it's really not a big deal. You know? It was no, it was just, and also not that sort of right. person that, you know, I can push out a baby and go. Yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, cranky Jewish girl. Yeah. 
So, I, I, yeah, I want a bell ring for that one. Yeah. So, anyway, so Billy, um, he, he's talking a lot about the thing, and it's like, my dream, my dream, but I'm having a baby in eight hours. So I don't say anything. I said, oh, you know, I definitely want to talk to you about it. He goes, well, we, we need to hire somebody immediately because Alex going off to do this movie. I'm doing it. You know, we're all, because they have been doing it all hands on. Right. So he was supposed to, he said, well, I'll just call you tomorrow. I knew I was going to be in labor and delivering tomorrow, but I went, okay. So, um, cause I'm agreeable and you know, right, right, right. So I'm in labor and delivery and is this pre self, this is pre cell phone. Well, they had a flip phone or I had, it was some type of like, I had a beeper or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm there and I, and so the phone rings and I see it's this New York number. I probably, you know, I couldn't, and it was Billy again. And you're pushing. No, I, I had not yet, but everyone right. was surrounding me. Right, right, right. I went and some, and I guess what I heard, I'm like, can you just hang on a second? <laughs> me getting the phone, you know, and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And and Billy was so enthusiastic, and he was talking a lot, and I couldn't really get a word in edgewise, and it was, and all I was going was uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And so he, and finally, my doctor said, you know, there are millions of dollars of people waiting here. Can you? Can you get off the fucking phone? And so I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And so I had agreed to interview for the position on Monday. This was Friday. Friday. And I am not somebody who can just, you know, rally. Help a kid out. I am not not that person. I am, I am needy, you know. So, but this is my, my, the dream job. So she came and then I don't, again, goes back to that college thing. Don't say anything and it'll all kind of work out. Right. So at that point in my house, I have the nanny for my older kids, the, 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 what was it? A doula, they called it. Doula, yeah, I had a doula. That that was like the the earth crunchy, I don't know, the baby nurse, my mother and my mother-in-law. So I thought, okay, I can just shoot up to New York and do the interview um, you know, stitched together. Yeah, because it's not like Everything a C-section. Easy. It's just like- No, it was a C-section. No, I'm saying, yeah. I'm being yeah. sarcastic. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, I shot up there and I did the interview, but I also, back then they give you, when you had a C-section, they give you Percocets. Yes. So back in the day. And they also would go, because Percocets are safe to nurse a baby and it right. doesn't, you know, whatever. Uh, and so for the first one, I was like, oh, no, I can't be on drugs. And by the time Kiki came along, I was like, can I get, can I get more? Yeah. I more. So I basically go to this interview stoned and leaking, you know, from everywhere. I can't believe you went. Go ahead. I know. But again, experiential, you know, right, right. someone asked, I have this, it's probably from, again, back to the sardine sandwiches that someone is inviting me to do something. I say, right, yeah. Right. So I go and I'm pretty much stoned out of my gourd. I'm, as I said, leaking out of every orifice. And um, I remember just doing that whole Folgers, that is good tasting coffee look on my face. Every time they'd say something, I'd be like, focus, focus, nod, focus. And then I I got the job. And you, did you, you probably went home and fucking collapsed. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell, I didn't tell like the day of, I didn't tell anyone in my family. I was like the mother of the mother-in-law because I didn't want them to be all judgy. And it's like, yeah, I'm just shooting up to New York. Did you ever tell Billy that you had just had? Yeah, yeah. He calls me the leaker. <laughs> in in the most politically correct way. You know, there's so many things that you, at the Crude of Coalition 
What is your consciousness? You know, these are so important. What is your, what is the white hat? What is that? That is, you know, it's so, I don't know if that's an old expression. I always use it. I mean, it's wearing, we all, I hope that most of us wear a white hat. And that was, I think that expression was coined about 20, 30 years ago. And it's about what's, what do you do to do good? Right. And, and what I try to do with our constituency of celebrity leaders in the entertainment industry, leaders in the art world, what is, what do, what do you do to do good? Because where, you know, again, people in our industry, you have to, you have your agent, you have your manager, you have your publicist. What's your issue? Right. And it just, I think, and, and you know, you being a focus group of one, it's got to make your work better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't live with myself, first of all. And, you know, I do see, well, first of all, I see how the arts affects people. I see how comedy affects people. But I also, you know, I'm a gay parent. Uh, you got issues. I'm a woman. I'm a Jew. I, I am really upset about racism. I'm not a person of color, but I do feel, you know, awful. I, I don't know. I just feel like the woman thing really, fu- like, don't tell me what I can and cannot do with my body. You know, like, just shut the fuck. You don't want to have an abortion. Don't have a fucking abortion. But don't tell anyone else, you know. But also... The fact that, you know, I used to do this bit in my act about all the people that could get married and I couldn't. And, you know, like Eric and Lyle Menendez kill their parents while they're sitting on the couch eating ice cream. They go to jail for life. They get married in jail. And I can't get married because it's like it's just so ridiculous when you break it down. So and doesn't your and your colleague, whatever your art is, has got to be more 3D, more texture because you do care. Right. Absolutely. Right. You do. Uh, you do take into consideration what what is the right thing to do. But you know, you know what the, the interesting thing is, as whatever you're wearing your 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 white hat on, whatever issues you're taking on, and especially those in television or film, or half of your fans won't like it. Right. Not, and I and when people say, oh, and that's why it. people don't do it. Well, and also, but when, when people say, oh, that celebrity is doing it for the glory, there's no glory in advocacy. It's, there's just no glory in it. I know. But it's, it's like, I can't, I can't be silent. I couldn't live with myself. You know, like Steve Martin wouldn't, didn't say anything about, and then, you know, finally he said, vote for Biden. But look at Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan kept his, and then he couldn't take it anymore. It's. You know, and it's funny because I, as an organization, the Creative Coalition is nonpartisan because we're a nonprofit and that's how we have to be. But we encourage our members, go take a stand, be partisan. I mean, we get behind issues. Right. Most issues are not red or blue. Are there any conservative members of the Creative Coalition? Yes. I just, the National Endowment of the Arts, to me, it's so important People don't, you know, and and, it, and I would say that most people don't understand what the NEA does. And it, it, it hello PBS. Well, it it also it gives grants to every congressional district. And again, I'm a kid growing up in Clemson, South right. Carolina. We do not have access. We do not have access to anything except community theater. Right. For for miles, and that and that community theater. That's how I learned about you know, Shakespeare and it spoke to me. Right. It wasn't, it, it just, 
Yeah, so so the NEA isn't this amorphous tree hugging entity. It is a direct impact to and it can change. We know it we know that the arts change people. Oh, beyond. Beyond. Look at look at Hamilton. Look at look I mean, come on. Look uh, at, you know, anything you know, you look at the kid who is dyslexic and it was through the school play that right. things started to crystallize about history. Right. And you know, so so it's it's. I don't understand why arts is the stepchild issue. It does, you know. And sports, sports, and sports. Yeah, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. And even if you don't believe in the arts for art's sake, economically, for every dollar that a community puts into the arts, seven dollars comes back. Those are good Vegas odds. That's a lot. You know, so don't care if you don't care about the arts. Yeah. Look at the economy. Exactly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You have been with the Creative Coalition for over 20, how many years exactly? 22 years since my daughter was born. Since Kiki was born. I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's grown under you. I it's love like, it. I do. You know what's so, so great about what's so great about my job is that it allows me to create. It allows my team. And I have a great team. And you know that expression, they're tireless. They are tired because I... You know, we freaking work 24-7. Right. But it's, everyone loves what they do, I think. I hope out there they, they you're doing it for a greater good. And, and you get to create. Yeah. We get to. And get Judy a, a, a Grammy nom. And, a te- and testifying before Congress. I got to figure out what I'm testifying about. Yeah, we got to um, You are such a delight. I can't, you know, like, it's. To be so influential and important. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, you are. You are. And yet you're so fucking normal. I can't believe how like normal you are. I can't believe we missed like the first 40 something years. I know. We would have been hanging out. It's probably 50, but you know. Shut up. All right. So I ask my guests two questions. Even though you don't like answering half my questions. Okay. Well, you know, I was a lobbyist, so I do have the spoken word. Yes. Uh, number one. I can vi- avoid any question. I know. You're good. You And with the smile on your face. I, I was I was on uh, O'Reilly a lot and never answered his question. I know. I remember. Like, I read that. What was that? Lo- I, it, I was the only person who made him laugh because, you know, and what you learn is it doesn't matter. You know, when you're on, you know, when you're on these, especially the political talk shows, they have an agenda and, and these political talk shows are entertainment first and you don't have to answer their questions. You, you but, get your message. Yeah. And Fox News is an entertainment network. It's not MSNBC and CNN are news networks and they're an entertainment network, like whatever. So it's all opinion, 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 opinion. So we're very pro mental health. What do you do, you know, to keep your sanity? You know, it's, you know what I hate? I, I, when people say, you know, oh, go take a bath and, you know. Oh, shut the fuck up. I know, exactly. Or watch the sunset. That, all of that does, 
First of all, I don't fit in the bathtub, so I haven't mm. taken a bath in God knows how long. The only time I get to take a bath is on the road, and I can't go on the road. And, and I don't want to sit in fucking, wa- like, water. I know, tepid, tepid water. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah. But so what do I do for mental health? I do love people. I love learning about people. I love, I could just, to me, talking to you, and I'm not just saying this, I just love the nuances and the, learn. like, I look at, it's just like this big old lump of stuff I can, not that you're alone, but just that I can oh, just I get in and I just like, ooh, I get to dive in more. Yeah. I just love I the love that. texture of people. And then I realize how sane I am compared to, no. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, any antidepressants, any therapy? No, I'm a hundred percent believer in therapy and I've yeah. had therapy throughout. Um, and it was funny, the first time I went to therapy, I was probably maybe in my early thirties. I was a late, a late bloomer in therapy, but I remember thinking it's like a massage. It's, it's so, and it's indulgent. That's and interesting. I yeah. Paying for it. How wonderful. So I just remember that. And when I, when I also encourage people to go to therapy, I say, you know, it's, it's a massage for your brain. I know. And you, you someone's just listening to you all the whole fucking time. It's all about you. You, you, you that's why like, it's amazing. Trump has never been to fucking therapy. Um, well, not amazing. Yeah. Well, wait, but do you ever want you talking to your therapist? Like I get so bored with my story. I know. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I have this appointment. I don't feel like talking about myself right now. Well, also I feel bad because I've said like the same thing over and over. And they're just seeing dollar signs in their head. Okay. So here is my, now, you know, the name of the podcast is kill me now because I get aggravated at everything. So what pisses you off more than anything? Like there's me, it could be anything. It could be, you know, people talking loud on their cell phone, but what makes you fucking crazy? Well, can I do a pre-pandemic one? Yeah. I don't know if it's relevant now, but when people would say, hold the elevator. Like, what? The next one's coming. Right. It's a cycle. I Now, I can grab that one. I can do that. All right. That depends on how many elevators there are and how far away the person is. You know what, though? I, I take umbrage. And I wanted to work that word into the whole podcast. I like it. Because you know what you you then you should have been there earlier. Yeah, I'm not holding the elevator for you. Uh, I, I, I just want to be upfront with us when we are together or you're meeting. I'm not holding the elevator for you. Um. So, so if someone yells, "Hold the elevator," do you just don't? I go like it. this. Like I can't find the button. Uh, like I oh, so you're standing there and then the door closes. Yeah, say, wait, yeah, I like. So that. I have, like, like, oh. No, I yeah. I'm a fake drinker. I'm a fake elevator button holder. That like, I like oh, that. I find it. It's not working. Hold the elevator. I love that. I love that. I do. But I hate this. Fu- Can I just say something? These. This is what fucking pisses me off. These fucking elevators where in the lobby you press oh. what floor you're going to go to and then it tells the- you what. Don't fucking tell me what elevator to get into. And then all these ele- other people are like, I'm like, no. Not, no, they're called smart elevators. I they're hate not. them. I hate them. Don't because fucking control my life. I don't even understand them. I mess it up. Like I'll stand in front of the wrong one. And then the one across the way opens and closes. Wait, what about how I'll and press I'll really, it? How hard was it to use an elevator? Right. <sighs> but now I press, you got to put your floor in and then it tells you like B4. That's the elevator you're going to go to. And I'm like, okay, B4. And then I walk over and I'm like, 
wait, what? I totally forget which fucking, and then it comes. And I'm like, oh my God, I was looking at my phone. And like, it fucking annoying. You know what it reminds me of? Do you remember those seatbelts that used to be automatic? Like you get in and it would like. Oh, and it would go. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was pregnant, I also was throwing up everywhere. So I'd have to open my car door as I was driving to work. And then it would. You know, right. Bam. Oh, God. So fucking annoying. Like what was so hard about putting on a seatbelt? Yeah, I really. That now you've made me. Uh, now I'm really pissed off. And that was back when they. Remember the talking cars? The door is ajar. Oh, no, yeah. The door. At the door. <laughs> Hey, now, that's funny. By the way, you are, I've been doing the joke about Zoom, saying goodbye on Zoom being the longest Jewish goodbye on everything. I now act it out. It's one of oh, my I best bits. People love it. Written by Robin Bronk. So I have to thank you for that. Well, you do have to thank me. Yeah, I have to thank you for a lot. So Robin, where can people find you? And your two books, The Money is Goes to Charity. The, uh, the books are sort of coffee table photo yeah it's um actually I have three books one yeah I, that's what I meant three books one I co-wrote with Ron Reagan Jr. I love him I Not love afraid to rotten hell I fucking love him how did he he's so into the arts and I can't he's believe he's not gay best, but he's the best just kindest, gentlest. Oh my God. I love him. Did his, did he get along with his parents? Yeah. He's, he's a gen. Yeah. He's yeah a, he seems like such he a, good a lot soul. of convictions. Yeah. Gentle soul. I haven't talked to him in way too long. Not afraid to rotten hell. <laughs> it's my favorite. He, he proud he, atheist. Not afraid. Was, oh no. It's burn in hell. Not afraid to burn in hell. Uh, he, I love him. The wonderful guy. So, okay, so what did you called, write? What was that book? Called, if you had five minutes with the president and Harper Collins put it out and it was interviewing celebrities and the money all went to the creative coalition arts fund and interviewing celebrities. If you had five minutes in the oval office with George W. Bush, it was right at the beginning of his first term. What would you say? What would your issue be? And um, that was fun to do and interview everyone. And then my second book was called Art and Soul, and it is gorgeous photography by oh, the beautiful prize winner Brian Smith. Who um, and we just what what was the backstory of you know of what what gives you your art and soul? Right. And then my most recent one was with and that was Hachette. And then the most recent one I did with um, Jeff Vespa photographed it. Nancy Ruemi of Ruemi Design designed it and. Um, it's called The Art of Discovery. And I would ask you, what was the moment you discovered you were going to be an artist and make your, make your life the arts? And we, I interviewed everyone from Flea, from the Black Eyed Peas to Kate Hudson. And wow. It's great. It's a good, and you know what it is? Because not many of us, it's not like many people came from a lot. Right. Or Joe Mangiali talks about his dad wanted him to be a football player and he got thrown out of the house when he wanted to be an actor and he lived in his car. And another actress talks about she, her mother was a single working parent and the one job that she had out of the three jobs, one of the things was playing the piano at community theater. And this actress would, would sit under the piano as her mother played. And that was her, she saw her mother's happiness. Wow. And, and, 
And so it's not like, you know, it's very, it's, to me, it was very aspirational how one can, you know, do something that they dream of. And you don't have to, you know, you just have to have that, that not, one of the things I thought was very interesting, Joey Pan says this, you don't, you can't have a plan B. Right. I say that too. Like, you know, I say it to comics. They're like, oh, I work during the day. And I go, well, once you decide to be a comic, you know, that's, you're still a comic, but you're not, you know, you got to, that's all you can. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, so you can find that on those on Amazon, but and you can also find it at, at the creative coalition.org on the internet. On the intranet. Where can people find you? Uh, so they can follow you. Stalk me? No, I'm the tweeter. What? Okay. I'm Robin underscore Bronket Instagram. I'm on Facebook at Robin Robin. B-R-O-N-K, everyone. B-R-O-N-K. B as in boy. R-O-N-K. I wonder if I have to change that now to be more, you know, why B as in boy? B as in becoming. God, be as in bo- what I said. My How book will be say unbe- that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I'm stealing that. Take it. Oh uh, my God, and, I got I got a new writer, Robin Bronk. Robin yeah. B, right. Oh my, yeah, what's on Twitter, doing? Laura? On Instagram, you're Robin underscore Bronk. On Facebook, you're Robin Bronk. On Twitter, you're R Bronk. And just search for the Creative Coalition on any of the platforms to follow the Creative Coalition. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Doesn't Laura have a nice voice? I'm all yeah, like, that's good, Laura. Laura's our Thanks, producer. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Robin, I love you. This was so fun. Um, I was really looking forward to it. And now? And now I have nothing to live for. Yeah, come, come out and see me in a socially distant. I love your little, I love, that place is not, that's not your house, is it? No, my house would be all cluttered. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's all white. Yeah, I can do that. Thank you for being here. Please, you- everyone, check out the Creative Coalition. They check do- out the Creative Coalition. Give to the arts, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah, give to the fucking arts. By the way, I did the PSA, the COVID PSA about obesity, and I got one little fucking thing in because I'm not that important. But it's fine. No, you're very good. You're the highlight of it. Oh, God, what do I say? It can help something like, and everyone else has like 10 lines and I'm like, yeah, but, you, but you're very sincere on yours. Thank you. Thank you. I, I want to go. Thanks for there. including me. I appreciate it. Oh, and we have more dinners coming up. I'm going to invite Oh, you. okay. Good. I love those. Yeah. With the breakout rooms, even yeah. though the dinners at the Creative Coalition are supposed to be like an hour and a half and they're four and a half hours. The okay. funniest thing that went about the leaving is that our people, everyone's like afraid they're going to miss something. Right. So no one will be the first one. To leave the dinner. These are virtual dinner. Goodbye. Think you'll miss some swag. Yeah. I didn't get my fucking swag yet. You didn't? No. Well, is it in Providence? It's called Provincetown. And if you fucking say Providence again, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) Did that at the night of the dinner. And I fucking hate you for that. No, it's really because I'm just geography. (laughs) That class... That class that I missed, I yeah. geography. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with my friend, Robin Bronk. Come on. I have some really cool friends, F, Y, and I. 
Now, if you like the show, please tell everyone about it. Leave me a review. Five stars only, please. I can't with the criticism. I had enough of that growing up. But, you know, I would love to grow the show like I grew my ass and my stomach over COVID. But, I, you know, I'm proud of it. And I, I like, you know, I would like to get more listeners. Anyway, there's also the fact that this week is Hanukkah. Christmas is coming in a couple of weeks. My book, yes, I can say that, when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's a great book. I'm really proud of it. And it's a great gift, especially for people who love comedy and satire and humor and are interested in what the fuck is going on in our country and the fact that, you know, we can't take a joke anymore. So it comes in the audio book. It comes in the Kindle. It comes in the hardcover. And on my website, there are all these different links you can buy from indie bookstores. You can buy wherever you want. But I just want you to know, I'm going to read a review that just was posted yesterday, okay? This is from a guy, okay, and I love him. I don't even know who he is, but listen to this review. This is one of the best books I have read this year, and while I wouldn't expect a book by a comedian to be the one to make me think the most, this one really did it. Judy does a great job of breaking down why we need to slow down and not jump on everything we hear online. It is so e- it is easy to forget and get dragged into the online mob culture and not really recognize that we should allow people to make mistakes and forgive. Also, that people shouldn't be punished forever for most mistakes, especially if it's just some stupid tweet they made years ago. We have certainly been holding entertainers to a ho- to higher standards than our politicians. Okay, so that's part one, and I love him. And then he writes, I highly recommend this book. Those on the right may be bothered by some of the Trump references because they have no fucking sense of humor. I added that in. But the book is balanced mm-hmm, and really addresses the issue from all perspectives. Thank you, Robert Willinger or Willinger or Willie Jur or w- whatever. But that, I love that review because it really does, it, that's what I intended. And it is from both all sides, but only the Trumpies get upset. So there you go. It really would mean so much to me if you would check it out. As I said, all the order links are at judygold.com, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com, or wherever books are sold. And please make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I am doing, uh, you know, events online and, and some live. And uh, I would love for you to know about them and join in at, at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y, G-O-L-D, because you know I'm a Jew. So thank you all for listening. Happy Hanukkah! Woo! And um, as we always say, so long! Ga, 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 ga. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.